that's one of the key things to learn is always be able to pivot. You know, if something doesn't go your way, just have to figure out how can I make this work and, you know, still move forward. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I say it's very, very important as a passive investor to vet the operators and make sure they have some form of background in business. Because yes, right. we're dealing with real estate, <laughs> but we're buying real estate that's basically a business that has real estate associated with it. Exactly. You have to know how to manage people and put in systems and procedures and processes in place and monitor those KPIs. And like mm -hmm. you said, be able to pivot whenever necessary. Welcome back, everyone, to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. I'm your host, Andy Jarrett, joined by Dan Hanford. Dan is one of the managing partners with PassiveInvesting.com, which is a national and partment investing firm. He has led this company to acquire over 3,500 units with a portfolio valued at over $561 million. He's also a passive investor himself, and over 10,000 units span across 44 different syndication investments throughout the U.S. Prior to getting started, Dan invested, prior to getting started investing in real estate, Dan had an extensive background in starting multiple seven and eight figure businesses from scratch. Dan is the founder of the Multifamily Investor Nation, which provides free multifamily education to over 50 nationwide and international meetup groups, 40,000 members strong. He's the host of one of the most popular investing podcasts on iTunes called Multifamily Investor Nation. And Dan and his wife, Danae, along with their four children in Standard Poodle, reside and work in Columbia, South Carolina. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes, Andrew, appreciate it. Thank you for, for inviting me on and uh, looking forward to sharing with your audience here. Absolutely. So for those who aren't you know, familiar with you, maybe you can just give a little more background information on yourself. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my background is actually as, as a chiropractor uh, at first. So I'm actually a, a chiropractor uh, by trade. And one of the things that I learned early on as being a chiropractor for working for myself, because I had my own clinic, was that uh, I was really kind of stuck in a job because I could only see so many patients an hour. And so I was capping my income. Right. And if I wanted to go on vacation, guess what? I had to continue to pay my staff, had to continue to pay the overhead. And so it would actually cost me cost me money to go on vacation. So I never wanted to go on vacation. Um, mm -hmm. And so I quickly learned in the first two or three years of practice that I really needed to start to hire on other people to do those things that, that would allow me to have more flexibility. So started hiring on some associate chiropractors to work for me and then started to expand into the medical side where we did an integrated clinic where we started to hire on medical doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs to actually work in our clinics to see some of our patients and doing what we call non-surgical orthopedics and sports medicine, doing a lot of prolotherapy, PRP, and stem cell treatments for orthopedic conditions. And uh, really about probably six or seven years ago now, we made the pivot to completely remove the chiropractic services from those clinics to really solely focus on those medical treatments, uh, primarily because there was nobody else in the area that was doing that, as we had a little bit of a niche in the practice, but it also was the highest profit drivers as well. So it allowed us to really focus on what we were making the most money on, but also having the greatest impact in the community, which was really neat. And we grew from one clinic to four clinics. We still wow. have those four clinics today, They're cash flowing very nicely, 100% debt-free. Uh, yeah. My wife and I have those. And, and, and being able to have those allowed us to be able to have the net worth and liquidity to be able to be, on, be signing on the loans or some of these larger assets 
and allowed us to be able to scale very quickly. And uh, as you mentioned in the in the intro, there we have a little over a half a billion in our portfolio now, and uh, we've been raising you know millions and millions of dollars over the last several years to be able to acquire these assets from our trusted investors. And uh, and one of the main reasons why I went into real estate was from the tax side of things because I was writing large six figure checks to the government not just once a year but four times a year. Because once you start making money, to make you pay in four times a year as a business right. owner, um, so they get to hit you more than once. Um, mm-hmm. And remember that. So I just remember knowing, remember writing those large six figure checks. Like, there's got to be a way for me to reduce my taxable liability. And investing in real estate really was that ticket that allowed us to be able to reduce our taxable liability and also be able to make a great income by by putting these types of syndications together and starting the group PassiveInvesting.com, which mm-hmm. has allowed us to be able to kind of grow and scale to where we are today. That's incredible. So it sounds like you were actually a benefit of passive income prior to real estate. Is that maybe what kind of turned you on to the real estate investment along with obviously the tax benefits? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really that what turned me on to the real estate, but it's something that I knew I needed to do before I started to do it on my own. And mm-hmm. so once I made the decision that I wanted to be in real estate, you know, I hired a mentor, started to invest passively, and uh, and then from there continued to grow into the active role as well. Nice. Now, our our listeners, the, no, a lot of their number one question is, what can I do to create passive income? Uh, knowing what you know now, what would be one of your top strategies for creating a passive income stream for somebody? Sure. Well, I, mean, I, I like business in general. So even outside of real estate, I like to have a couple of different businesses that are generating passive income for me. Sure. So even my medical clinics at this point are passive for me. Um, I spend about one hour a week managing them. On I have a corporate meeting with my corporate team once a month and manage them from that kind of perspective. And then uh, they kind of, you know, go on and, and do the most of the day-to-day stuff. So I'm not having to, to, to do that. But he, I even also have an online company where we sell skeletons and skulls and brains and hearts and all kinds of plastic models <laughs> That's cool. to colleges, office, doctors' offices and universities across the country and around the world. And so we also have other alternative income streams that are coming in. Uh, and so outside of you know real estate, that's what I like is having some businesses that can produce some 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 income. Uh, right now, we're also looking at maybe even doing some absentee franchises and uh, oh. maybe even you know, doing a couple of different things like that from some some friend from some 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 businesses that we really like and we don't have in our area. And I'm like, how can I bring those here? And if I can be an absentee owner, would love to be able to do that. Uh, hire on a team to be able to go manage that and still manage it from a corporate perspective, from a corporate perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course the real estate side, I mean, obviously you can't beat real estate. You get the depreciation benefits right. and also the income from that and being able to invest passively in, in, in apartments or self-storage or, or industrial or medical office buildings, or maybe even car wash businesses. There's always different types of avenues for real estate to be able to invest in. And that's one of the reasons why I like it because mm-hmm. I'm the type of person that kind of gets bored sometimes doing the same thing over and over <laughs> over. And uh, and so being able to have the options to be able to, you know, it's like right now with our group, PassiveInvesting.com, we have the multifamily syndications that we're doing. We have a self-storage fund that we've started to acquire assets. We have a real estate debt fund that we have started. And we have other things that are coming down the pipe over the next probably, you know, six to 12 months that'll be exciting for us to be able to show to our investors, but also for us to continue to uh, have some alternative options for our investors to invest in so that they have other options for passive income. Sure. Incredible. Now, obviously, we have a lot of different investments going on now. Uh, usually, someone has at some point in their career in investing has an investment didn't go, you know, 100% how they thought it would, or maybe just turned out to be a bad investment. 
Uh, can you just kind of speak on maybe one investment that didn't pan out how you thought it would and what you learned from that? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, all of our assets so far have been able to, you know, achieve the projections that they had that we have, but they haven't all started that way. Right. So one of them that's kind of sticks out to me as an asset that we have that uh, when we first underwrote it, we thought that we could achieve a $250 rent premium by spending $11,000 a door in renovations. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we do in the very beginning when we acquire a property is we try to do two units and not try, we do two units and try to see if we can achieve those rents. Mm-hmm. And that way we can prove the business model before the business plan, before we actually just renovate all of the units. Right. Right. Um, and so in that particular property, that's what we did. We renovated two units, put them online. Nobody would have going to be biting at them at all. Like it was like crickets. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. And we thought everybody would love them, you know? Right, and yeah. <laughs> so we put it out there, no bites. And then we just talked to the property management company and said, let's just start dropping it by $25 until we hit that number. And we got down to 175 and both of them rented very quickly. Huh. And so we realized that, okay, 175 is the rent premium that we're going to be able to achieve, but we can't do an $11,000 renovation and, and I only achieve 175. Right. So we had to go back to the drawing board and see, okay, what do we need to do to be able to reduce the renovation scope so we can still maintain the, 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 the returns for investors, but still be able to achieve the 175 rent premium. And so I believe that went down to about eight to $9,000 a unit of renovations. So we were still able to do the renovations, but just a lower scope of renovations, but then, but then be able to achieve that 175 and maintain the investor level returns. And that property is doing well right now and uh, currently actually under contract for nice. much, much more than we thought we were going to sell it for, which is great. <laughs> Congratulations. That's one of the key things to learn is always be able to pivot. You know, if something doesn't go your way, just have to figure out how can I make this work and, you know, still move forward. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I say it's very, very important as a passive investor to vet the operators and make sure they have some form of background in business. Because yes, right. we're dealing with real estate, <laughs> but we're buying real estate that's basically a business that has real estate associated with it. Exactly. You have to know how to manage people and put in systems and procedures and processes in place and monitor those KPIs. And like mm-hmm. you said, be able to pivot whenever necessary. And that's what we also saw this past year with COVID is those right. operators that were able to pivot when they needed to pivot were able to be successful in it. And those that didn't basically just, you know, crawled up in the fetal position in the corner and cried and died, right? right? Yeah, exactly. um, and so those are the properties that are coming online now that are hurting that need, need somebody to come along and, and put a little TLC to it. And, uh, and somebody that has a little bit of a more uh, business acumen, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, I know your properties uh, fared very well during COVID and, and came out strong. Is there anything you'd like to share maybe, you know, that you changed differently during COVID or, you know, any, well, anything you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, well, one of the things that really helped us with COVID is that uh, prior to COVID, we had made a the business decision to actually pivot from acquiring the kind of lower end class C assets Mm-hmm. And lower end class B assets to focusing on the kind of higher end A class and B plus assets where everybody else was kind of staying away from. Right. And it proved very beneficial for us to do that. And even now you're seeing a lot of operators going after these nicer assets now mm-hmm. because there's they saw what we saw back then. And that's right. why we pivoted because we knew that cap rates were compressing to the point where it wasn't that much different to buy a, you know, a class C asset at you know, a four and a half cap where you could buy a class A property for a 4.3 cap. You know, right. there wasn't that much of a delta between the two. 
Yep. So for us, we made that decision and we're very, very glad we did. And that's one of the reasons why our portfolio fared very well is because for the most part, COVID impacted the lower end properties the most because those are the residents that are in a service related position that was more impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. Uh, we're actually, you know, actively searching uh, higher, you know, B-class properties as well. So I uh, totally agree with your strategy on that. Um, now you have a lot going on, obviously juggling a lot of different, a lot of different hats. What's some of your habits that you've, you know, picked up over the years that help you, you know, strive that peak performance always, always on point? Sure. I would say there's two things. Number one is every morning I try to spend, spend time with my wife. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times relationships can be hampered by business and right. being so busy that you don't focus on each other. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that my wife and I try to do, and we're not perfect with it, so it doesn't happen every day, but it's something that we try to do. Like even this morning, our kids are back at school this week. And so uh, she, you know, of course, we're, we're trying to run out the door. And I said, let's spend at least five minutes. Like, come on, five minutes being late is not a big deal, you know? Right. And it's not really being late, but being like, you know, instead of the doors open at 7.30, being at 7.35 or 40, you know, the mm-hmm. bell doesn't ring till eight. So we can, we can spend a few minutes there. Um, so she always likes to be, you know, ahead of time, which is great. But uh, I told her, you know, let's spend, we try to spend at least five to 10 minutes. Most of the time it's like 30 to 45 minutes because we get up early enough and she, we've done our workouts or whatever. And mm-hmm. we're sitting down and enjoying a cup of coffee and, and really bouncing ideas off of her and her bouncing ideas off of me and sharing what we're doing throughout the day, I think has been very, very beneficial. And, and, and also keeping each other, you know, uh, accountable as well. Um, yeah. so, but that's been a number one. And I would say the second thing is, is that I'm a big believer in having uh, regularly scheduled calls with your team mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that they are on point with what you're, where you want them to go. And also to make sure that if you need to change the vision, you can have that opportunity to change the vision, but it also gives your team the opportunity to, to have a sounding board to be able to, be able to bring feedback or have questions or things like that uh, sure. to the, to the actual uh, partners as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. And then especially, you know, if you have a call, you know, every day, like we have a call I've said every day, we, we always know what's going on with properties, you know, what we're looking at, just bounce ideas off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally agree with that. Now, how, is, how has passive income changed life for your family, you know, overall family life? Not much at all. Not yeah. much at all. So, <laughs> and I would say, and I get that question quite often, but mm-hmm. I would say it doesn't change that much because we don't live off of that income. We don't really need that income. And so the money that we make off of the passive income we basically just turn it around and go invest it again, right? Because um, mm-hmm. we we have the income coming off the clinics that you know we can live off of that, and then the excess we turn around and invest it as well. Mm-hmm. And so it hasn't really changed that much uh, when it comes to our our kind of daily life. Um, but it does. But one thing I will say is that it has helped me have conversations with my children about how they can learn to do that as well. And even my mm-hmm. daughter, who's ten years old, we have four children: a ten-year-old, nine-year-old, three, and a or four and a three-year-old. Um, three girls and a boy. My boy is the nine-year-old, but the, my oldest is 10. And uh, and she's been saving up her money and saving up her money and things like that. <laughs> nice. and I said, once you get $1,000, I will let you invest in one of our properties, right? <laughs> now, awesome. I'll be, it's through me. So of course, right. I'm, I'm a non-accredited investor investing in our yeah. 506 Charlie deals. Right. Um, 
but I have her invest through me now and Mm -hmm. she gets to see the benefits of that. And I said, immediately when she said that, I was like, do you want to be a class A shareholder or a class B shareholder? Right. Like, what do you mean? And so I explained the two of them with her and she's like, I'll do class B, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to have those conversations has been really cool. And to be able to see their 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 mindset and, and, and their mindset shift and their their thoughts having um, happen is really neat because it's when I was growing up we never had these kind of conversations with my parents right. exactly yeah and guess what <laughs> the, right now to this day they don't have the money to be able to do the things that we do because mm-hmm. they didn't invest in the past right, right. <laughs> um, earlier so you start the better this, yep. yeah and I want to make sure I instill this with my kids and my family because eventually mm-hmm. I'm not going to be here in this world and guess what I want to make sure that they know how to manage the money that we leave behind to them yeah. No, that's a great idea. I mean, by the time she's, you know, 20 years old, she'd be a multimillionaire, right? Exactly. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Set her up for life. Yep. So now if you could turn back time, you know, to your 18 year old, 20 year old self, what would be one thing you would tell yourself, Hey, this is what you need to learn. Uh, or this is the action you need to take, you know, now. I would say hiring a mentor and a coach mm-hmm. because for years I, I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't have one that I, I won't, I didn't have one that I paid specifically that I was like, I'll have like a weekly or a monthly call with. Uh I had mentors in this space that I would call mentors or, you know, people that I looked up to that I followed, whether I read their books or went to their conferences and things like that. But to, but to really be able to spend the time and really investing the the time and the money to have a mentor that can help reduce the learning curve to get where you want to go faster. That's, that's what I would tell my younger self is, is to hire that mentor bite the bullet and, uh, and then be able to, you know, get to where you, I want to go faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compressed time. That's, that should be the main goal, right? Yeah. How do I get there? You know, in five years versus 20. Yep. Exactly. Um, now there's a lot going on in the real estate market, uh, multifamily, especially what's one thing you're most excited about right now. And is there anything that keeps you up at night? Hmm. I would say from the multifamily side of things, the thing that I, I get excited about is really trying to see some of the markets that we've acquired properties in and what's going to happen in those markets, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know conjecture out there as to what exactly is going to happen, lots of speculation. And sure. I will tell you that what I'm about to say is, is speculative at best as well. Uh-huh. Um, but it's something that I think was going to be interesting to see how it happens. But if you look at, you know, uh, areas like, you know, the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, Boston, those types of areas, and you see mm-hmm. places like California where cap rates are like, you know, sub threes, sub twos. Right. I think that as the population continues to grow and a lot of migration happens, we're, go- we're going to likely see that happening in some of these markets that we're invested in right now. Mm-hmm. And being able to see some of those cap rates compressed to those levels will be phenomenal exits for us as well as our investors. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. And a lot of investors right now, I see really just try not to invest because they think the cap rates are too low. And if you think about it, yes, cap rates are continuing to go down and compressing and they are low right now. But and that what that the main thing that that does is it impacts the cash flows during the hold period, mm-hmm. but it actually gives you a better exit on the other end. Because right. the lower the cap rate gives you a higher exit on the other end, but the lower the cap rate, the lower the cash flows. Mm-hmm. So you're at this point in time in the in the in the in the in the space, we have this kind of decision that we have to make of are we just gonna like not acquire properties or again, kind of to answer your second part of your question of what keeps me up at night, this is kind of the question that has to be answered of, you know, are we gonna just stop acquiring properties or are we going to be able to 
talk to investors and them understand that yes, no cash flow or low cash flows right now are okay because we'll have right. a big win on the other end. And mm-hmm. that's kind of really what uh, what we have to make a decision on, or I guess the investors have to make a decision on. And uh, and I I think at the at the end of the day they're going to make the decision to continue to buy even the lower cap rate assets because there's going to be a higher exit potentials on the other end. Sure. And I think you're one of the proponents for lower cap rates because you don't have as much bad debt, hopefully, right? Buying a lower, you know, four and a half cap in a in an up and coming area or where there's Correct. a lot of you know population migrating versus a nine cap in the northeast, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You get what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh what would be your number one takeaway for our audience to absorb? What's the one thing you really want to hit home with them uh from this from this episode? Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, one thing that I really haven't touched on just yet would be the idea of delegation mm-hmm. and whether it be in business or in personal, you got to learn to delegate certain things in your life yep. and be willing to pay for that. So whether it be paying for a mentor or whether it be paying for, you know, you to hire somebody to be able to manage a certain aspect of your business, or maybe even, Hiring somebody to mow your lawn, right? Hiring somebody <laughs> right. to mow your lawn or or clean the house. Those are things that my wife and I have learned over the years that have really, really helped us get our quality of life back and be able to spend more time with our families is not having to worry about those things in our life and mm-hmm. being able to spend the money to be able to hire it out to other people. So really kind of the, the biggest takeaway I would say is just kind of learning that kind of art of delegation. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you can make $100 an hour, say, for your time, why would you spend a $10 an hour task, right? More exactly. than and, an and, and it's easy. And it's really easy to see what your hourly wage is. All you have to do is take your income <laughs> over the year and divide it by the by, by, by 52 and the divided by 40. That gives you right. what your typical 40-hour work work week would look like. And when mm-hmm. you do that math, you'll be able to be surprised Hopefully that it's high, not low. But right, yeah. <laughs> if it's if it's low, then you need to do something about that as well. But um, right. when you do that and it's really high, you'll be surprised. And it's funny because my wife and I had that conversation about a year and a half, two years ago now. And I did that math with her, and she her eyes just got o- wide open. She's like, "You're right. I need you to stop cleaning the house." Right. right yeah. <laughs> and so we were we, we, we at that point in time. We actually it's been longer than that since we've been doing cleaning the house. But it kind of reconfirmed the reasons why she had somebody cleaning the house. Because she didn't need to be doing that, right? Um, because when you look at the actual hourly wage that she was getting versus, you know, hiring somebody else to be able to do that. Exactly. You know, what else is fun, Math is uh, looking at your equity multiples with your depreciation rolling every five years, right? On the multifamily side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can That's that. very nice. Especially yeah. when you look at the uh, the amount of money you get to keep. Right. Depreciation. Exactly. <laughs> so, Dan, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? Sure. Yeah. So the best way to do that is, is to uh, go to our LinkedIn. I say our, my LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to linkedwithdan.com. That just goes, that just brings you straight to my profile page on LinkedIn. Just go to linkwithdan.com. And then uh, if you want to reach out to us at our on our website, you can go to passiveinvesting.com. Right on the top right-hand corner of the page is a little button there that says, join the Passive Investor Club. So you click on that button and fill out the form and you know, if you're interested in investing with us, one of our investor relations people will reach out to you, discuss your investment goals and see if you're a great fit for us and vice versa to make sure we're the right fit for you and, uh, and go from there. Great. Awesome. Well, now we're getting into our, our five to thrive, um, which is a great part of the show. So this is a word association game. Basically, I just rapid fire five words to you 
And just I'll see how well I did. Phrase. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the only caveat is you cannot repeat your answer. Okay. All right. Here we go. The first one is time. Essence. Passive income. Mm, passive income. Cash flow. Mm -hmm. Resilience. Consistency. Mm -hmm, good. Leverage. Debt. And syndication. Powerful. Wow. I agree 100%. <laughs> Great answers. Well, Dan, it was a pleasure having you on, and I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. Talk to you soon.